Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the season end edition of the Raptors Over Everything live call-in show. I'm your host, William Lou. Joined as always, co-host Joshua Hart. Do you, do you feel an immense uh, amount of relief now that this year is finally done and we can put in the, the rear view mirror, as, as they say? I don't know. I, I, was, I was When you said it's the season end show, I think the real season and real change come to this franchise starting now with you know, draft, free agency, Masai's decision, all the, like, really exciting stuff that was going to happen with this team this season in front of us. And now it's immediately in front of us. So, yeah, the the 2020-21 season is behind us, thankfully. But, I, yeah, the most exciting franchise summer in forever is ahead of us, and I'm excited. And, I don't know, the playoffs are going to be really good. I think, it'll be, I think we'll have a good time. How are you feeling? Do you feel relief? No more having to get up early for scrums. I saw Nick uh, teasing you. <laughs> Nick teased you this morning. Well, listen, um, you know, I'm going to have to adjust my schedule a little bit. No more uh, going to sleep at 3 a.m. like a demon. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I won't, to be honest, I won't really feel like a full sense of relief until the end of this week, I think. Um, so Nick spoke today. Uh, Kyle is supposed to speak tomorrow. Um, and then Masai later in the week. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to hear from these guys and sort of see their futures. And, of course, I think there'll be a lot of work in terms of, like, writing about that and then looking at the draft. But, no, there'll be a nice little period here. And I think I'm mostly relieved because, like, yo, the last few months of the season were just a drag. Like, the last two weeks were just, like, really tough. You know? Like, like look at the last game they played. I know a game, you know, 72, 82, whatever, is always a little bit iffy. But, like, they had six guys to play an entire basketball game. Like, yo, there are, like, pickup games that have more than six guys show up. You know what I mean? Like, and there are pickup games where, you know, Aaron Baines probably will show up next year. So it, There it's are five be tough, people man. making this show right now. If we have a caller, we'll have as many people working together as the Raptors had yesterday afternoon. It was... Yeah. It was a tough one, man. But, you know, I, I think... Pretty entertaining um, broadcast. All things considered... Like, Baines going off in the first quarter was, like, exciting, weird. Um, Obviously, Fred in the third quarter was pretty good. Malachi kept it exciting and was hot throughout most of the third quarter. But I thought it was, like, it it actually worked out to be not as terrible a broad. Like, I would say games last week were less fun to watch. Like, after the Wizards game, every game was pretty, pretty grim. It seemed like yesterday, at least, was, I don't know, pretty watchable. Yeah, well, um, well, let's talk about some of the actual basketball that happened. Let's bring in our first caller, Ben, from Nova Scotia. I want to talk about uh, the the rookie of the month for April. Let's go, Ben. How's it going, guys? Yeah, we're, we're, right. we're, we're doing well, man. How's the East Coast? Um, finally booked my vaccination this morning, so the, uh, the rollout is slow, but it's it's happening, so, you know. Hoping to get that, well, getting that done in two weeks, and you know we're 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 excited. It's a big day. 
Congrats. So I was wondering just kind of um, if I could pick your guys' brain around some of the stuff we saw from Malachi down the stretch. Um, I think kind of has an interesting skill set for rookie point guard. Uh, does certain things better than you'd expect from a from a rookie point guard, like the, the team defense and uh, kind of some of the mature play, plays he make, makes as a ball handler and then kind of some areas he'd like to see some improvement from him uh, over, the, over the summer and early next season. Yeah, I, th- I think um, one of the main areas that Nick was was talking about with with Malachi is the shooting, which um, I, I think he is a good shooter. But I think obviously at the start of the year he was like just misfiring at so many. I think really that comes down to shot selection. Um, you know, it, it didn't feel like he was getting the best shots uh, in his first few uh, months of the year, and then of course he played more minutes and kind of got more comfortable. But I think part of it is like if he, especially if he's going to come off the bench, like you need to have a really good sense of like where the sh- shots coming from where are the shots going and you know the last few months he did shoot close to 40 percent from three which is fine i still do feel like he does miss a fair share of like open catch and shoot threes but he's also kind of like hot and cold in that stretch but um i think it's the it, for me it's really just the decision making on offense like i think he had he does a lot of good stuff and i think he has a lot of quickness and it's really just like he needs to get into the paint all the time i think I, that that quickness is going to be his main advantage to how to create off the dribble or even off a screen. And once he gets into that paint and draws like two guys to him, then you're really um, in a good position as a point guard to create. And I think that's something that the other two guards that, you know, Kyle and Fred don't necessarily have is that like the quickness and that burst. Obviously those guys are older, but you know, even when those guys were younger, it wasn't the same kind of burst. Malachi is really, really quick. And we see him, you know, use that quickness all the time. So it's really just about like, you know, knowing where all the reads are, getting into the paint all the time, and, you know, generally speaking, good things are going to happen from there. I mean, for, for himself, it's going to be tough for small guards to finish, just like it is for Kyle and Fred. But, you know, um, I, th- I think Balakai showed plenty in the last few months or uh, last few weeks. And, um, Josh, what do you think, man? Are you comfortable with him being the backup next year of Kyle Moves? When Kyle Moves, yeah, I think, I think he'll do fine. The thing that I want to see from Malachi is improved decision-making. And I don't know. I think that while you're young and have fresh legs, I'd just like to see him running constantly i think that yeah you're right to say that him getting using his burst to get to the basket will do him well even if he gets to uh the post and then flares out for catching through shooting the corner i think it'll just work for him i think you you benefit from being a younger guy on this squad um with the way that you'll have opportunities in the second unit and i don't know the the first few outings with him were so like bizarre i mean shout out to his father's <laughs> many Facebook posts saying oh, like what's going on with his usage. And as he settled into a role and the team has figured out what they want from him, he's looked more capable. And I think he's going to be, I, I feel pretty excited for him next season. I, I really am curious to know what he'll look like in the Raptors runs uh, Rico Hines later this year. I think it'll just, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious for what, um, what it looks like he's going to add to his bag because I think it's just decision making, knowing when the guy in front of you can't keep up with you, and I'm 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 less concerned with his ability to finish. I just want to see him try to get there more often. I think that'll come out in the wash. It's interesting, yeah. like to Will's point, at least from like you know the eye test about looking into the data down the stretch. Like you would kind of take an above the break, uh, semi-early shot clock, pull up three, and be like, ooh, that's a tough shot, and he would make it. And then 
you know, you'd see these wide open catch and shoots and he bricked them. It was just, it, you know, I would, without actually looking at the data, it's almost like he's had like a reverse split of what you would expect from, uh, from difficulty of three point shots. Um, but yeah, I just, I think he's shown some really, really promising things you don't often see from a late round rookie point guard. And then obviously his, his, uh, his reputation as a shooter. So that's to catch up to some of the results and more, uh, more catch and shoot opportunities. But thanks a lot guys. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. And um, yeah, congrats on the go get the vaccine, people. It's, uh, if you're afraid of needles, honestly, it's, <laughs> it's like coming. the lightest brick possible. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry, it's it, it'll be painless. Like it literally is painless. Like you could literally get hit by a toothpick and it would hurt more. So Imagine getting... I can't wait. But thanks a lot, guys, and uh, can't thank you enough for making the season so tolerable. I right. really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, yeah, Josh, did you get? I mean, this is too personal, but like, you know, did you did you get the jab? What's going on? <laughs> uh, Woodbine Racetrack last weekend. Shout out to. Uh, uh, okay. I, I did we all go home for this? Being in a being in a like room filled with like horse imagery, getting a vaccine. I'm like, dog, this is. If I was a conspiracy theorist, this would not be appropriate. But it was very full of like, you know, it felt very Revelation Six. Yeah, that that's you, hilarious. You that you went, went, you why, why'd you go all the way home, man? I did hit up Florida Mall. That's, that's correct. My, you know it, man. It was just it worked out the, that way that it was uh, most expedient, and I had, had some like bank stuff to do, and I was out that way. Damn, really keeping it real, keeping it at home. <laughs> um, to to this point about Balakai. So after the trade deadline, I was looking at numbers after Ben sort of pointed it out as well. Um, so normally you expect obviously catch and shoot to be a much higher percentage than pull up. Um, shooting, but catch and shoot threes, Malachi was 23 of 64, which is 36%. And pull up threes, he was 26 of 76, which is 34%. So, um, not much of a difference there, which is weird. I think I would like to see that catch and shoot number uh, higher. Um, you know, I, I, I think I don't really see an issue with his shot. Do you like his shot? Yeah, it's he. I think it looks. I think I was surprised at how good it looked because I didn't know what to expect. It seems like every time the Raptors bring in a rookie, their shot needs some maintenance, but mm-hmm. I don't really know what what he's besides probably like preparation and getting his feet set. I don't really see anything that he'll, he'll have to overhaul. Yeah, fair enough. It's really the selection. I think selection factors so much into the results and yeah. you know, it's uh I mean, you can have all the ingredients. You might not necessarily cook it the right way. Um, we got Kate on the line. Kate, Toronto. What's going on, Kate? Hey, guys. How are you? We're doing well. How are you doing, Kate? Pretty good. Pretty good. Beautiful outside. How can you complain about that? And the Raptors ended with some of the best lottery odds that we could have that we could have considering um everything that we went through so i'm pretty pleased with this with the scenario i'm pretty pleased to be moving on mm. how about you guys we will i know that you you now I'm just gonna leave a hole in your day so i'm sorry about that yeah well are you gonna pick up like a new pokemon game like what is your plan for the off season? you can't travel which is typically the way that you spend the off season <laughs> so yes. are you gonna go to uh, the longest off season you've ever had will I mean, it is and it isn't. Like, I think 
I mean, first off, they ended, like, it's mid-May already. Like, it's not like they got eliminated in April, right? Just like an extra month that it kind of carried over. So, um, there's the, you know, hopefully there's Summer League. Hopefully, Canada gets the Olympics. You know, that will cover a lot of it. But honestly, I'm probably just looking forward to, like, taking more time and uh, being a, you know, regular human, seeing friends, being a better partner, you know, enjoying life. Maybe. I don't know, man. Probably just waiting for the Raptors to come back. I'm, I'm a fiend. You know, it is what it is. I would say I'm a workaholic, but I just really like the Raptors that much. You are right in that uh, we're lucky that the season went an extra basically month and a half. Like, if this was any other season, they would have been eliminated at the end of March. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, a shortened season um, has really made it as almost as though this is like a second round, you know, second round out. Um, so I, you know, looking forward to a playoffs that are really driven only by, you know, a stress-free playoffs driven only by spite and you know, chaos. That's really going to be my rooting interest from here on forward. Uh, but wanted to maybe take a quick look back before we look forward and see what some of your favorite, what your, some of your favorite moments from this terrible season were. I've got a few if you want me to sort of like kind of toss a few out there and then we can see if there's a couple others. Okay, but before we get to yours, uh, does where does OJ Anobi flipping Dennis sure. Schroeder uh, fall on the list? Is that is that number one? Because that has to be number one. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's number two right after OG resigns contract. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, what else, hit, hit us with the rest of your list because I feel like that one has to be number one because OG really okay. put Dennis Schroeder down like a baby. Yeah, like it was, it was so cute. Tipping him over like a teapot is definitely <laughs> number one. And, you know, I think over the last week we've really seen that Dennis Schroeder maybe isn't isn't the nicest guy. So I really – I'm here for OG to do that again. Like let's see it again next year. Um, Dennis Schroeder pretty rude to some journalists. And don't really like his attitude, so I maybe that maybe that's Sean through for OG. So OG did a solid split. Um, the uh, Bucks home home sweep, uh, really enjoyed yeah. that. I think that was the last time we had a slander pod from you got from you, Will. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Obviously, I always love the slander pods personally, uh, but it's hard to slander when you're doing so badly. So uh, you know, I was really appreciative that the Bucks uh, came through in true Bucks style. For that home home sweep, mm-hmm. and we could get one last kick at the slander pod can before it was time to um, really start to wrap up the season. Um, the Kyle Lowry takeover game, of course, was the Lakers, where he's an absolute superstar, and uh, said, you know, through you to uh, the Lakers for for not um, for not trading for him and, and just saying, you know, here's here's what you're here's what you're missing. And Fred VanVleet, 54 point game. Those are really the major ones I had. I, I, here's the thing. I think we've got to be missing some. So I was wondering if you guys had any others. So a moment that I'll never forget was the hour between um, when Pascal was benched in the Knicks game and the first tweet from like Shams or Woj or whoever was Pascal's not playing and everyone's like, James Harden's coming to Toronto. And there were a million tweets saying, oh, oh, God. who cared about Pascal? We have James Harden. And then it was, he got suspended. And it was like, he got suspended. What the hell is going on? That hour, I was like around dinner time on New Year's Eve. I remember so vividly. It was all ridiculousness on the r- timeline of Rappers fans. And those are the things that I think I'm going to remember the most. 
besides the actual team's success, but just to be like mess and civil war over tanking or James Harden or any of this nonsense, I, you know, I wasn't able to spend the year, you know, in bars or in around water coolers, listening to, you know, incredulous takes about the Raptors. So, you know, Raptors fans really delivered on the mess this year. Um, but you like everybody, like I think the Lakers win and the Bucks back-to-back wins were really great, 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 great moments. But the times that I'm going to remember going forward were times that you know Iman and would say something or Sahal would say something, and I would sit around in my living room, stuck inside during the lockdown that started in this province in November. <laughs> um, you know, it would leave me to think about it and to to chuckle and laugh to myself. So thanks to and even people like people like UK, like just. The good times we all had on uh, in uh, Clubhouse and the locker room app and Twitter Spaces. It was just like. So what you're saying is that what the season wasn't about the season; it was about the friends we made along the way. <laughs> and the friends we lost along the way. There were a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, it was just, I, I, that's what I'm gonna find. Actually. Yeah, I was gonna say the only thing we're Josh, missing from this list is. Uh, all along. Yeah, I am. Wow! Wow! But, Damn. Friendship Twitter, yeah, that really became a thing. I mean, you know, listen, what's wrong with friendship, man? What's like that? Why is that a negative? Shout it to Kelsey, um, shout out to Kelsey shout man. Out. She was yeah, right all um, I was gonna say the only thing we're missing on this list is the uh, the women's broadcast. I thought that game was like that just was... really, really good oh, and like hard to forget, that right? Was like, awesome. I think the broadcast itself was historic, which well, is great. Was, that but was like, Kyle's, that was Kyle Lowry stays. Also, like that was that whole game. That whole game yeah. cannot be forgotten. How perfect Kyle Lowry played that game and then threw up the deuces and then he just stays. And then we just completely forgot that it was also Norman's last game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh and then it turns it out he was the one that was moved. Pick, like, a low light. It was almost easier for me to pick like a low of the season than it was for me to pick a high. And of course, the low of the season is losing to the Rockets after their like 20 game <laughs> loss. Like, that was just like oh my god! <laughs> what about what about the game before that when they got punked by Colin Sexton? Colin Sexton talking oh shit goodness. to Norm. Oh my goodness! Stepping to Fred, and then he just torched the whole team in the third yeah. quarter. And then Pascal was benched, and then Pascal went off because he was benched for Stanley Johnson at Nick yeah. Nurse. And, and then yeah, they lost to the Rockets, which is just uh, horrendous on all fronts. And then that when, was terrible. Was there the season was trash. That he was gonna be, he was gonna be fined for like yelling at Nick at Nick Nurse. Wasn't oh, that yeah. the tweet where he was gonna be fined? Mm-hmm. And and then it came out. was like, no, the, the team was dealing with it internally. Sham, Sham. Like, I don't know. It's t- <laughs> tough, tough, tough year for Shams on, on the Raptors. Because <laughs> he also said uh, the Raptors um, all got so, COVID because the coaches wouldn't wear masks. And Nick Nurse was like, oh, yeah. "Yo, yeah, yeah, no, so, how about you, how about you suck?" Tweets about it. It's always some bullshit. Yeah, that was pretty good. Bullshit. All right, look. One final thing. Just looking forward, I just said I'm here for chaos and anarchy in the playoffs. I'm I'm really rooting for the most chaotic outcomes possible at every turn. So my thought process moving forward is: uh, Do I have a vendetta? And or will the outcome produce chaos? And that will be the guiding light for me through these playoffs. And I wanted to ask you guys if there's any games or series that you're or matchups that you're really looking forward to. Um, for me, I can't wait for the first round against Bucks against Heat for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But just wanted to see what else you guys are interested in for for that for the postseason. <sighs> Well, the one thing that I'd really, really 
no matter who the Nets play in the first round, I think that if that team is by any way able to push them past five games, it'll be the best time we ever have on on the internet. Like if somehow the Celtics take two games off this <laughs> Nets team, it's gonna be anarchy. It's gonna be like imagine like Russillo and Simmons just going crazy, you know. Celtics aren't yeah. making it out of the play-in. Like I just don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it either. But if there is like, if the Celtics get a couple games off the Nets, that is the peak ridiculousness situation. Besides LeBron falling out. But if the Celtics, but the Celtics are such a big franchise. I think it's even bigger. If the Celtics get a couple games off the Nets, I'll it'll it'll be the day that it'll be on Twitter will be you know one to remember. Yeah, but see, the thing is, I, I, I don't want any positive Celtics vibes, so I want them to lose the play-in tournament. Yeah. I want them to lose to Washington and then lose to, like, whichever one between Indiana or or Charlotte. Um, I'm, I don't think it'll happen, but, you know, it's possible. Of course, they don't have Jalen Brown, so that really sucks for them, but also they're the Celtics, so, you know, I don't care about that. And then out west, honestly, I'm just so tired of the Lakers. I don't know, man. Like, last year, I was, like, really actually happy for the Lakers. I was, like, you know, I really enjoyed the fact that LeBron was able to take them to the championship. They had a great season. They played really hard. They had a lot of reclamation projects on their team. A lot of, like, you know, nobody believed in us. And then they won the title. And it was it was good. It was great. I obviously was pretty happy with that result. This year, it has been so obnoxious since they've hit the injuries. And they just keep complaining. Which is, like, like LeBron flopping against Stanley Johnson. Like, Come on, man. Yeah. Like, really? Like, the, when he wiped, like, six <laughs> hair follicles off his head, I'm like, come on, man. You don't need to do this for just two free throws that you're gonna in a game you're going to lose. And then, you know, LeBron saying, I'm never going to be 100% again, which is sad, but, you know, okay. And then Jared I'm never, I'm never going to be 100% again sounds like a line from a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no seriously. You, you, have, you have a bad breakup. King all yeah. over again, only... Like, last year, it was Wash King, which nobody mm-hmm. ever called him except for himself. And this year, well, it's like, you know, he's taking it a step further. It's always a step further for LeBron so he can en- emerge out the other end. Like, now he has to play against the MVP and Steph Curry in his first playing game. Like, he's always just setting it up that way. Yeah. And then Jared Dudley said it's, like, it's the hardest remember. road. Oh, yeah, the hardest road. Jared Dudley. I, I mean... In some ways, he's not totally wrong because nobody's ever gone from like a eighth spot to winning the title. But I'm not. I'm still not going to pretend he's right. They're the reigning champions with LeBron and AD. Man, that's not a hard. That's not. That, that's yeah, just yeah. necessarily not the hardest road. <laughs> it's, I'm not saying they don't have long circumstances. Exactly. They clearly do. But like, you have anyway. I, I'm just annoyed with the Lakers. So I'm hoping that the Lakers flame out. But I, I think they'll probably beat the the Warriors. To be honest, <laughs> and then and then we'll see. But yeah. I mean, it's going to be a fun playoff series. I think it really will. I think the playing tournament is a huge success. And, um, yeah, you know, we'll see. Well, guys, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm going to miss these uh, every couple of weeks. And thanks for making everyone laugh as much as you could all year long. Um, you're both two of my favorites among among the, the media and Raptors Twitter and the, 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 the podcast game. So thanks to both of you and looking forward to next year. Hopefully we should do one of these when uh, the lottery odds get out. Oh, oh man. We might have to do a live, a live, a show. live. If the lottery, if lottery odds go wrong. I'm going to require a slander pod, like a <laughs> oh. slander pod. 
I'm just telling you right now, uh, if in case things go south. Adam Silver, man. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Kate. one one acceptable outcome. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Peace. That was Kate Cunningham, which uh, is a great name on Twitter. Really is. Fade for Kate. Fade for Kate. Actually, though, that's that's also a call-in show. All right. We got Graham. Winnipeg wants to talk about Gary Trent. What's going on, Graham? Oh, he. Oh, he. He's he's gone. He got you know he had to go shovel. What's going on in Winnipeg? What's the weather like? Is it nice there yet? Not shoveling. Come on. <laughs> are you one hundred percent? Are you one hundred percent sure? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> okay, it's twenty three degrees in Winnipeg right now. Come oh, on, man. What? It's gonna be thirty today? Wow. This is what you listen for is the, the, the weather report in Winnipeg. Um, can you explain to me what happened? Why was there a Toronto versus Edmonton slander beef? This is terrible. See, bro. I don't, it's Edmonton. I, I remember I had something to do that evening. So I like oh, opened man. my phone just to like look at basketball scores. And then there was like, you know, all people in Edmonton do is go to uh, the West Edmonton Mall. Like probably I've never been to Edmonton maybe one day, but. But then, no, I've been to Edmonton once, but only in and out. It, I don't know, it seems like a pretty arid place, <laughs> just real dry. Alberta is real dry in general. Um, yeah. Well, I okay. mean, look, I've uh, never been to Alberta, and uh, don't. Uh, it could happen. The next time I'll go, I wouldn't but... be surprised if they did preseason in Alberta eventually. I mean, it it seems very beautiful. I mean, I would go for the mountains for sure. And, and um, like high school basketball in Calgary is apparently a thing. Yeah. So shout out to shout out to Lethbridge. That's further south. Yeah, they got they got like a basketball program. I was looking into it or something like that. You were looking to sign up? No, I was looking <laughs> for some from some research purposes. You know. Anyway, yeah, I, it's a very strange beef. It's very one sided. This must have been like Raptors fans beefing against LeBron. Jeez. Did you, Just be like, we beat them in the regular season at one time with Malcolm Miller against Isaiah Thomas. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, we have LeBron and Kyrie and J.R. Smith and Kevin. Now that this, like, this, the Raptors, we the North era run is over, uh-huh. seeing the, like, anniversary posts, it's like we really only had one year that we did not, like, do to one ourselves and, like, yeah. leave that, go out, go out bad. Okay, like, but like, like what, what is going out good though? Like, your your loss is a loss. Like, I think last season when we lost to the Celtics in seven games because Kyle Lowry basically ran out of gas and the team, it, like that was a non-slanderable playoff loss. Okay, kind of every other one was. <laughs> LeBron James saying, "I've been in tough times. This isn't one." It was a crazy thing to say. That was a bar. No, he barred us up for no reason. Well, I th- I feel like he said a similar thing about the uh, Monta Bucks. He basically said, yeah, they won game one. That's nice. Let's keep it moving. And then they didn't win another game. That's tough. Yeah. Hopefully LeBron is able to uh, continue his streak of playoff success. It's always, I don't know, it's just, it's fun to see somebody, you know, challenge history. If they go out bad, it'll be tough. Though the Suns losing to them in the first round, it's going to make me sad. All right. 
So um, we're going to throw to a quick break and we are going to go to our voicemail segment. Yes, we keep promising this. You can call in to this number when we're not doing the show and you can leave us a voicemail. And more often than not, you're probably going to get it played on the show. So we're going to take our uh, first voicemail of the year, I guess. Hey, Will. It's um, Avery here. I was just wondering, I guess it's a short question, how much you missed going into the actual games. Because that energy in that arena, the very up before and after the, a win, was just different. It was just fun and exciting. And I bet you that energy will carry through to the actual team. And I think we, I don't know if, we talk about it a lot, but I don't know if we are underestimating how much a actual home court would do for the team. And honestly, how much fun it would be to back, be back there watching again. Just seeing all these players, all these new guys to cheer for. Thank you. Yeah, what have I missed from um, not going to the games? Um, I think the number one thing is it's got to be the atmosphere. Like it's like very energizing because like the thing is you're when you're doing this job like um, it, it happens mostly late, right? And so like imagine um, you're writing a thousand five hundred words at like eleven thirty p.m. Like it's just it's it's a little draining on that front mentally. And your energy is going to be low because it's, it's nighttime. So I think like having the arena crowd is always huge. And then I think it's just like meeting people and seeing people. Like I think that's that's a really cool part of it. Um, obviously, I'm, like obviously, I'm friends with most of the media there and like a lot of friends, you know, to to go to games with. But even just seeing fans and like you know, um, just just being in that atmosphere is really cool. Plus, like before the game, I think that's the big thing. Is like pregame. Normally, you would go because if the games are like seven thirty start, for example, you probably be at the arena like five five thirty. And you can just like chill out and hang out and walk around the court and talk to players, talk to people, talk to coaches uh, and just kind of like, you know, there's a more personal vibe to it. I mean, right now it's like you put your hand up in a Zoom call and like you get like one question to, to talk to whoever. And that's just not the same. And I think that, um, you know, that portion is cool. Plus, you get to see like players interact with fans, you know, take like social videos, social clips um so it's it's a whole experience and um yeah i mean mostly i just miss seeing alex every day but uh it is what it is when was the last time you saw alex when was the last time i saw alex um i saw him during sometime during the fall yeah yeah that was a tough time that was a tough time i think i mean he gave me a jersey i remember that part um and then I, I hooked him up with some some bubble tea, but like, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen Alex that much, quite honestly. But I gotta see him soon, man. I got I got a fresh uh, I gotta drop him this uh, KFC sneaker <laughs> sneaker drop at his house. So we'll see how that goes. Josh, what do you miss about going to the game and stuff, man? I, I, I remember I um, remember looking down in the lower bowl and seeing a. Uh, you know, relax, your, your rich ass relax. down there in the hundredth section, bro. I relax. saw you. I saw you, man. <laughs> relax. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to you know being in the arena watching. Like, I do think it's really hard to watch basketball games in the arena. It's like incredibly hard to watch like basketball happen. It's much better to watch an individual player and gain an appreciation for what they do and what they're capable of doing and how they see things. Like, I didn't really love Fred VanVleet's game until I started being able to see him in person. I find, like, watching the game sort of from that upper bowl sort of angle that you often watch basketball happen is way easier to, like, follow the game. 
I find it really difficult to follow the game when it's when it's happening, you know, in front of you by a couple feet. Maybe if I was on the upper bowl, it'd be better. Um, but I don't know. I like the the ambience, the crowd, the uh, standing up. I'm not going to miss the like player after each guy scores a basket, their drops. I've never really been a big fan of them. They get annoying. If somebody's having a good game, it gets oh. worse because you're hearing the same oh. thing over and over again. Like DeMar DeRozan's like with my woes thing. It's like whenever DeMar had a great game, like enough of this thing. Yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, what I was going to say is uh, I, I am I am very much looking forward to hearing uh, – Yabba dabba doo for Fred Van Vliet once again, man. I really do miss just that one, just one time, and then afterwards it'll be it'll be hilarious and annoying. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's a. Uh, I mean, do you think we'll be good to play back here? Sorry, next season. So I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not a public health expert, but it seems likely-ish. Like November's a long time away. You know what I mean? Like the end of October is quite, quite like it's not next week. Um, mm. So I guess it depends on what the summer looks like. I don't know. I like I have really no clue. It seems like in the Greater Toronto area, lots of people are being able to, you know, get vaccinated. And who like? I would say I'm seventy percent sure it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. Been wrong about everything else. When all this started, I thought I'd be back in the office before the end, but before Canada Day weekend. <laughs> but yeah. that's just me. Well, I think we have our next caller, uh, Shahid, um, on the mentality going into the draft. Uh, Sahardid, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm getting your name right, but how's it going? Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, it's hard. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Hello? All right, perfect. Okay. Um, yeah, big fan. I've been listening for a while. I remember William on the, on the Raptors Republic, the OGs. But um, my question was, do you guys think the Raptors are in a position where they should take best player available? Or do you think they're good enough where they should, like, think about the best fit with the team, with, like, the core that we have in terms of, like, Van Vliet, OG, Siakam? Or do you think we're not good enough and we should just take the best player available? Yeah, it's best player available. I think honestly, regardless of what where they move in the in the in the uh, draft order um, based on the lottery, I think it's best player available because I think you can make a case for multiple things. I, I, like the thing is, the Raptors aren't like the Warriors where they thought they were having Clay, Steph, and Draymond all healthy going into the year and trying to compete. Um, the Raptors aren't really at that level. And so there's like more holes on the roster than just one specific point of weakness. Um, obviously, if you look at just like the roster building, you would say maybe add a big man. But like, you know, I, I think you could just make the same case about the fact that the Raptors probably could use another playmaker in that starting group. Because right now you have Fred, who's like a B, B plus playmaker. You have Pascal, who's like a B, B plus level playmaker for his position. OG doesn't really playmake. And... You know, you have, you have, we'll see who's going to be in the starting lineup at, at the other guard position. If it's Gary Trent, he's not really a plus playmaker. And if it's Kem Birch, mm-hmm. he's also below average playmaking. So you might need some more playmaking. And so, yeah, you could easily make a case that if the Raptors move up, like you you probably want to take, you know, like a Jalen Suggs or like a, you know, uh, Kate Cunningham or someone like that. But, um, you know, the Raptors really haven't really drafted for need, though. I don't really remember the Raptors ever doing that. And this is when the Raptors had, like, lower picks where you can maybe argue 
that they would draft for a need, like even last year, right? Like they they had Kyle, they had Fred, and they took Malachi with the first round pick, and it was like very confusing, and it was like, where is this dude even going to play? Because he's clearly not better than both these guys right now. Um, but they still took him because they thought that he was the best player available at 29. And honestly, based on what we've seen in the last month or so, he's pretty damn good for 29th pick. So, um, yeah, I think they're going to draft best player available. That's just their general strategy. Yeah, it, uh, I think yeah, to me, oh, like, yeah. the Raptors need is talent. So you you draft yeah, exactly. the best available. Like, they, there isn't – you could get away with Cam and Freddie next year. You don't need to draft a center just because it's the weakest – position in the starting five it's you need you need talent you need more guys who you can trust to be out there because there aren't there aren't enough at this this moment so um i think it makes it easy for the organization to just pick the best guy that they they've they've seen and i don't know it seems like the raptors do a lot of work with these guys like personalities and care a lot about the character of the guys they bring into the organization except for you know notable um, uh missteps but I think the guy that you're going to get is talented and you're going to hear nonstop about how they're, you know, showing up early, waking up late or showing up early, leaving late, working really hard. All that, all the stuff that characterizes like Raptors, Mm -hmm. tough guys. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing in terms of just grabbing the best guy available. Like you said, the example with uh, Golden State, that was a good example because we don't have, we don't have that like, Generational superstar, you know, like Steph Curry, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for answering my question. All right, thanks for calling in, man. Appreciate you. Peace. No problem, no problem. Take care, guys. Awesome. We'll keep it rolling. We have uh, David from Ottawa on the line to talk about uh, Utah. Uh, and yeah, um, David, welcome to the show. Hey, guys, how's it going? You know, same old. Can you hear me? It's not, It's really... Yeah, we can hear you. It's a wonderful day in Toronto, so feeling good. Doing okay, all right. Cool. All right, all right. Yeah, so I was just uh, curious what you guys think Utah's chances are of making this team next year. I know he's got an unguaranteed deal, and if he does make the team, what do you think his chances are of getting minutes? Because I know the Raptors have talked about uh, moving Chris to power forward, which is where Utah usually plays. So I'll make it a bit more challenging for him. So, yeah. Any thoughts? Yeah. I think um, I think it's not certain, but I would say probably like 75, 80%. We'll see who they bring in during training camp. You know, like, like this past year, for example, we brought in Utah and like he showed enough um, that the Raptors ultimately picked him. Although, to be honest, in retrospect, they might have taken uh, O'Shea Brissett instead. It seems like O'Shea's really been on one. But in any case, I'm not, I'm not, not I'm pretty happy with Utah. I like him a lot, obviously. And uh, I think he fits in a lot of what the Raptors want to do. Um, you know, as Utah wrote in his Players Tribune piece, like um, the Raptors are a team that, you know, defends first and builds their offense from their defense. And I think Utah is another guy who's similar to that. Um, I think obviously over the course of the season, we've seen his confidence grow and his um, his shooting uh, go up, which is needed. I think you know it was unsustainable the way he was shooting early on the season, that he was just not taking any shots. Um, if he can sort of maintain that aggression off the bench, which I see no reason to, um, yeah, I can see him as the backup small forward um, this year. If if Stanley moves on, especially, then you know you, there's a clear weakness there, the backup small forward spot behind OG and. You might say, well, Utah, is he going to be a reliable backup? I think, honestly, if there's more offense around him, 
becomes more palatable. And I think I like the idea of the Raptors being big off the bench. Um, I think the starting lineup, just by virtue of sort of the positions that they're having, like if they have Birch start next year, for example, Birch is still a little bit smaller than the average center. So there's always a bit of a small feel to the starting five, especially, you know, even if Gary replaces Kyle, like I don't think that even though the height is different, I still think that like Kyle's effect is much bigger than like six one or whatever he's listed at. But the bench could be very big because you have Boucher at four, you can have Utah at three, you can have like whoever, Freddie Gillespie, let's say, uh, at center. That's already a pretty sizable front line. And I kind of like the the different shape and look if they can do that. So I like Utah's chances. It seems like Nick really loves them. And again, of course, like uh, Utah is like one of the most pro- uh, covered players in the NBA. Um, shout out to the Japanese reporters. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, be, he's good. No, I don't. <laughs> did you, what did you, I, I, no, I don't think so. I think Paul had turned in a call season. I think Utah is, the backup small forward next year. I think Paul will be with the club, but I think he's the backup small forward next year. I I think he's earned it. I like I awesome. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't think it's really that up in the air. I think he really worked his ass off, set a good example for the team, and the shooting progression over the course of the season has made me feel confident that he'll be um competent backup next season. Like I I'm really I really think he did a great job. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Uh, keep up with your work. All right. Appreciate yeah. you. Um, All right. Take care. Peace. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I think, I feel like Boucher season is getting overlooked just a little bit. I think he honestly had, like, a fantastic year. I'm actually really excited for Boucher off the bench next yeah. year. I think he, this year, just per minute-wise, he was one of the most effective uh, bench players in the NBA, which is a pretty impressive mark if you if about you know i think obviously he got hurt and he thinks like this i don't think necessarily you start him even though i think there was a lot of calls and maybe a lot of temptations to start him but as a guy off the bench i mean he's shown a lot I mean, this year he had the, he led the team no he was third on the team in true shooting percentage um norm was higher than him uh and paul watson i guess paul so small size so maybe second on the team really but yeah norm was higher in true shooting percentage but 63 true shooting as a center he hit threes at a very high rate. Uh, and, of course, he has that, like, element that you yes. want from all your bench guys, which is just, like, can you maybe go off for 20 points, 25 points, because that would maybe single-handedly swing the game. And Boucher did that, like, I would say at least, like, five, ten times this year. Do you remember the beginning of the season, Chris Boucher three-point shooting? It was, like... Yeah, it was nuts. But it, it carried over I, the whole year. I, there was, like, a Nets game that he went off on. It was, like, un, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, he... No, you're right. He... I think... I think a lot of the like the guys who off the bench showed any kind of consistency, I think deserve like it was a tough, tough season to play with the Raptors reserves. Like Norm was out of the was was out of the sort of the bench lineup pretty early in the season. And then those guys were kind of on their own. And the fact that they that some of them looked as competent as they did at times, I think it's commendable. I I mean that's just me. Do you think? I mean the the thing with Utah is though like I do see some of the limitations offensively and maybe some of that is going to hurt him. But um, I like the way he guards. I think that's that's very yeah. important. He he comes in with great energy. I don't know if it's like necessarily like a super long term. 
thing, but I think for next season, I still think he's on a roster. Plus, you know, there's like seven M- Asians in the NBA, so I'm I'm gonna be biased and, and stand all of them. <laughs> Have time. I mean, but like, he has been. I don't know. I I think he's from where where he came in. And we talked a lot about, like, the Raptors small forward depth. The fact that Stanley Johnson would be played with a straight face was kind of weird. Like, he's... I mean, Stanley had some moments, too. He did have some moments. He he just took a lot off the table. Yeah, he came into the season like a, you know, like a cannonball. It's been terrific. But, Mm. like, Yuta Watanabe turned in from where he started the season to where the season's ending. I was really impressed and really feel-good story. Like, it's... Yeah, it it would be weird for him to take a step back in his um, roster position and the the amount of playing time he gets. He's he's a phenomenal pro, and I don't know. But here's the thing, though. Do, do you know how many times Utah shot the ball more than ten times in a game? Yeah, <laughs> but he the the it's, it's once he did it <laughs> once at eleven <laughs> all season the improvement. I feel like I saw. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed like he was made some strides. He did. No, he did. I think the, the last few months of this or last few weeks of the season, unfortunately, got hurt, which I think would have really hurt, uh, undercut his minutes here because I think he probably would have played like 40 minutes um, at point guard with the way the Raptors were running the rosters at the end of the season. Um, no, but I think he stepped up on that front to a certain degree. And again, he earned the contract. I'm happy for him. And it is a very nice story. Yeah. You know. But again, when, when you're dealing with guys at the bottom of the roster, too, it's like you can make a case for all these guys. Like, you could easily make a case for Paul Watson, too. Like, you know, the game he comes in, scores 21 and a quarter. Like, that was that was amazing. I was, that was really really phenomenal. I and then he I, didn't play after that because that, he was hurt. I, mean, I don't know what happened, but, yeah, he just he, he hit chop 30 and he left. It seems like he'll be on – he'll be rostered, but he'll be, like, end, end of the bench guy. I think Yuta will will be will be OG Ananobi's primary backup, and Chris Boucher will be Pascal's primary backup, and Freddie can't. That maybe that's weird. I think there's going to be a third center added, no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Um, anywho, shout out Yuta, you did it. All right, someone in the chat is is saying we don't look at the chat, which is probably true. So I'm going to look at that's the chat fine. right now. And, and <laughs> is anybody saying something <laughs> fascinating? Uh, I'm scrolling through right now. So, um, I don't see that many questions. They're mostly talking to each other. All right, let's, there's one here. Hold on. Who's an ideal signing or trade if we get rid of Lowry? Kyle Lowry. Bring him back. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, where are you with bringing back Kyle? Um, I don't think they'll be good enough to justify his presence. And I kind of, it just kind of bummed me out. Like, Kyle Lowry, when engaged, and he's, you know, Kicking your team's ass is one of my favorite players to watch in the league. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that the organization will be there if they're bringing in a young guy to like justify Kyle Lowry's services and to pay him the kind of money that he's no doubt going to command. But if it's if you want to go like kind vibes, Kyle Lowry, you know, two years, forty eight million dollars, right out into the sunset deal. I guess so, but that doesn't seem like Masai's mo. And I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure that Kyle Lowry is going to be good enough to want to be around. I'm also ready. I don't, I think that Kyle Lowry's run as a Raptor is solidified. I don't really think of him as somebody who's going to be a part of the franchise going forward. I don't think he's going to like coach this team or be in the front office. Maybe I'm wrong, but he doesn't give me that kind of vibe. So he can, he can leave. We'll 
put his jersey in the rafters, maybe build a statue out for him out on Bay Street. And it'll all things come to an end. Kyle Lowry's been great. Kyle has been great. Um, it, I would agree it is a little bit awkward if we bring him back because it was already awkward this year. But um, I don't know. I, I from my perspective, I just think that like the franchise should do whatever they can, like in terms of not like thinking with players as assets. That's like definitely not the way to go. But like, it, what is the best way to maintain talent on the roster? Is it to re-sign Kyle and then trade him down the line, or is it to sign and trade him right now? Or is it maybe to use that cap room potentially and sign somebody else? Um, I think that's all fair, to be honest. Do you but, uh, do you get the vibe that Kyle Lowry is emotionally invested to return to this team looking at the basketball prospects that he has here and elsewhere? Um, no, considering the fact that there's more, there's a lot more win now options. That's all. Yeah. Right, and that's that's no no like again. I'm not trying to hate on the Raptors by any means. I just mean like that's just the quite that's the honest truth about like there are more win now situations. And of course, like do those teams have money is the big question. And a lot of those teams don't have money. But like Miami, for example, they're probably not going to resign Oladipo, um, and so they're going to have that's, cap room in the offseason. Like, do they look to sign Kyle, for example? Yeah, listen, man, Victor. I'm sorry, man, but remember early in the season when it was like Victor for Norman Powell. And like, like, would people do it? And people are like, no, that's way too little for Victor. And it's like, honestly, man, there's a real chance Norma's going to outproduce Victor this year. And he did it last what season. Happened? <laughs> and it happened once again. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I just, I would be really, like, not disappointed in Kyle who came back. That's too far. But I'd, ask, I'd be like, what is, what are your goals here? Like, is it just kind vibes? I love this team. I love this city. Okay, do you think you can win here? Because the thing that I love about you and that has meant so much to me about your time in Toronto is you don't care about anything else except for winning basketball games and being a winner. You know, the one thing I'll say is that, like, he still hasn't... um... He still hasn't really dropped off. Like, I don't really see, like, Kyle, like, noticeably a step slow or anything like that. If anything, Kyle really worked on a lot more, like, runners and floaters this year. It seemed like he was hitting a lot more of those. And so that was nice to see, just to see growth from a guy, you know, obviously of his experience. And, like, yeah, he's still pretty damn good. And I think what we're seeing right now in the trend in sports is just, like, a lot of players at older ages um, persevering, right? Like, we're seeing, like, I was watching the other the the, the WMA the other night, and it was, like, great game between um, the Aces and the the Seattle Storm. Um, But, like, yeah, like, Sue Bird's, like, in year 40. Or she's 40. (laughs) Like, she's literally (laughs) just talking about how... Yeah, well, she will be in year 40 in a few years. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, but she was saying how, like, yo, her teammate is one of her new, like, rookie teammates. Her mom has the same birthday as her. And Sue Bird's <laughs> still at the top of her game. So, like, it's, you know, we're seeing with, like, you know, LeBron. We're seeing it, like, in tennis. Like, how long have we been saying, oh, man, you know, like, we only have so much time with, like, Rafa and, like, yeah. Federer and, you know, yeah. Djokovic. And it's like, no, they're still going. Like, it's still Look, the same guy. Kyle Lowry's going to be good next season. He If he's in the East... He'll be an all-star or very close to it. It's does Kyle Lowry want to be on the Toronto Raptors? And mm-hmm. I from I can't really see see it, but it would be cool. Like, you know, I love the guy. He's been the best Raptor of all time. Of course, it will be great for the organization to retain him. It'd just be a weird decision by him to be on a team where he won't play after the end of March because the, the team will be 
French playoffs. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Maybe, we got maybe uh, said the team could be top four seed. Go for it. But I, I don't know if this team will be top four seed next season. No, it's totally possible. But, I mean, we'll see. I think Kyle probably looking for a championship, not just top four. Um, all right. We got Graham on the line. Graham, calling in from Winnipeg. Sorry we, got, we, we couldn't get you earlier. We got you back. What's going on? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, so basically I wanted to ask. So Gary's obviously been really streaky. And all the, when I've seen him and he gets hot, like he gets really hot. Mm-hmm. So basically, do you see him becoming like a worse Clay Thompson? Sort of like when he gets hot, he's sort of unstoppable. Wait, sorry, you broke up there for me. Um, can you say that again? Yeah, so do you see him becoming like a worse Clay Thompson? Because obviously Gary's probably not going to be as good. But like when he gets hot, he's sort of unstoppable. Um, do I see him being... I mean, I, I think, look, Clay is just like at another level. I really do think so. Like he's... We're, we're talking about like... I think, yes, like they play similar styles of games. But like, I don't know, like um, Kyle Lowry plays the same style of game as Steph Curry. But there's like a different level to that, you know? And... Um, yeah, and I think yeah, with, with Clay, it's just such a hard thing to compare. I mean, I think you know Gary's a guy who's capable of getting hot. Like it's, I think that's true. I like his jumper a lot, especially on catch and shoots. He looks very smooth. He has pretty good footwork to get himself two shots a lot of the time. So like even if the immediate shot isn't there, he loves to take that one dribble, relocate to the side, and then fire away. But like Clay is on another level, man. We saw in the finals too, right? Clay was terrifying. Yeah, no. Game six, Clay was Clay like he was just like, running down the floor yeah. and just pulling up on on people. I guess the question is like, can you see him being very productive in the variance between like on the low end having eight shot attempts and on the high end having 17, 18, 19, and those happening on different nights? Like, will we? And do you think of him as consistent enough defender to justify them? Like, you know. 36 37 38 minutes a game um workload i don't know i think that i don't think that's impossible i think he will i don't know i i don't like the guy who shoots eight times a game and then 20 times the next game being a member of your starting line like it's just I, i'd like to have similar sort of input so you can get fairly similar outputs but like clay thompson is a very different kind of kind of dude but i think that variance in shot attempts. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, but is he, do you trust him to take five shots one night and then 20 shots the next night? I don't think it's, I don't think it's a really cool way to build a team. No, I think Gary's taking 20 yeah. shots every night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love his confidence, but like, man. But no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think it's, co- his... what, what's, what's that, like, sir? Clay is definitely a Hall of Famer and Gary, probably not going to be one. I'm talking like in terms of like the style that they play with. Probably not on the same level in terms of skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Style-wise, they're, they are like they play, yeah, same style. I'm not, they're probably same size-ish too. Clay's probably a little bit taller. But yeah, I, I could see that part. But yeah, I mean, it's just it, it, there's obviously a level to it. But I mean, I'm pretty happy. I'm, I, I've seen some people turn on Gary just because the last few games he's been playing off the bench and like took like a had a bunch of like five for 20 games, which of course it's, it's off putting when you see a guy take that many shots, you're like, yo, move the ball. But I mean, at the same time, I think when he was in the starting lineup with other playmakers, he was very consistently good. And 
as with any jump shooter, he's going to have like ups and downs. But it's, it's, the more he learns like the spots that he can get to in the Raptors' offense, the more his deficiency is going to climb. I think he's pro- he's going to have like a Norman Powell type of impact, and that's probably more realistic than um, yeah. than anything else. But I'm happy with that, and I think he's going to be re-signed based on that. So. All right, Graham. Thanks for your call. Stay safe. All right. Good talking to you guys. Bye. Peace. All right. I well, I think the yeah, real thanks. reason people got uh, sick of Gary Trent was they realized it was only bait. He wasn't bringing out any Amiri, any V loan. He had to he had to switch it up. Yo, does but, he does he have does he have a babe sponsorship? This is what we need to. I know. don't know. I don't know. If anyone on the team that should have a babe sponsorship, it should be Utah. Imagine you just showing up at a ton of babe, bunch of bathing eight. That'd be that'd be hard. I think we have our last caller for today's show, Aziz from New York. Aziz, welcome, welcome back to the show. I feel like I've we've spoken to you before. Yeah, we've talked a few times, or at least one time a few weeks ago. How are you guys doing? Chilling, man. Hey, um, so can you guys hear me? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I had a quick question about how you guys view the Raptors. Um, so when they made the, the the norm trade, you know, they pick up Gary Trent Jr., they pick up, like, hopefully, you know, four more years of control over Trent. Um, and then when they traded for norm, uh, they traded, you know, Gravis Vasquez, and they picked up norm and OG. Kind of like, it kind of reminded me a lot of how, like, the Oakland days or the Tampa Bay Devil Rays in baseball, they kind of keep flipping players to keep up picking up, you know, extra years of control and assets, something that I think Messiah's traditionally done well going back to, like, his days in Denver, like, not letting people go, taking those assets, mm-hmm. flipping them. So, to me, like, it, it kind of brings me to the idea of, like, you know, do you, do you think that the Raptors operate almost as if they're, like, a small market team? Um, you know, like they obviously have a lot of money, but when they operate as a small market team, do you think that that's like their mindset that they don't want to let assets go because they're kind of like afraid, or is this just kind of like the best move possible? And then if you had time, I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts about like Kyrie and kind of his going off into kind of like more political, um, intentions, Versus his like basketball intentions and like what you think about that. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean for Kyrie, I think honestly, I think it's kind of cool to be honest. Um, yeah. Like we've seen athletes like step into the space more often, and I think one thing we see when athletes step into the space is a lot of the time they step in in a way that is like very. Um, how do I say this? Non impactful or like non ground shifting like there's not nothing it's 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 not the same impact i think that um because the position might not be as controversial and that's not to say you should step out and, and say something controversial because for the sake of it um sometimes the right move is the, the obvious move and that's fine um but i think the the stances that Kyrie has taken on of late like i think these are things that are um I, I, in a political sense, more risky than some of the other players have, have chosen to do. And honestly, if he, you know, I think, you know, I, I think I probably share most of the same um, views as Kyrie on most of these issues. And um, so for me, I'm, I'm, I, I like seeing him do it. But at the same time, like, you know, I think there's a there's a bigger cost to Kyrie doing it than what, what other 
forms of activism that other players have taken. But I mean, he's 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 a free man. Like he's he's in a free country. Like he's able to s- express himself. And I don't really see any interference between that and playing basketball. Like playing basketball really only takes like five hours a day, maybe. Like that's that's still a lot of time to like you know you know get yourself informed on various issues. Yeah. And I think Kyrie really cares. He really yeah. cares. And then oh, the other question. What was yeah, the other I mean, question? <laughs> Oh, the small market yeah, me, thing. Um, oh, just real quick, I just know. wanted that. Uh, I really appreciated what Kyrie says, and yeah. like it, it really it strikes me as kind of weird when I hear like bigger market news organizations kind of like dismiss it as Kyrie being Kyrie, which I guess is like so easy for them. But I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, they they Kyrie. don't like Kyrie. It's, it has a lot more to do with. Well, it has. Yeah, and that's so confusing. Like the media hates Kyrie. Come on. This guy's amazing. That's to lay off of him. The, I, yeah, I don't think the media the, the port the role of the media is not to take a, a partial look at these things, especially when it comes to political issues. I think it's the goal yeah. is to sort of report the facts <laughs> and uh, try to let people be informed. Uh, in any case, yeah. Um, in terms of the small market thing, I mean, <laughs> that that too. He, he had a fantastic year. We no one ever heard about it. He should legit. He has it's to be all NBA. He has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 50, 40, 90. The man is playing out of his mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Unbelievable. But yeah, the small market thing, I think, is really interesting. I, just I think like, the Raptors. I love how Masai just continues to flip people. I think the rap. There's a thing where. I think the thing that you see with big market, small markets is big markets are, don't act any smarter or any more wisely. They the the big market thing is just being lazy. Like it's waiting for stars to get fed up with the markets they're in and want to go to your vanity market. Any organization should be doing the kinds of things that the Raptors or the Spurs and in their own way maybe the Boston Celtics have done. And the fact that where those markets where those organizations, those you know, collection of intelligent hardworking people land is irrelevant the raptors if they were doing this stuff in uh, charlotte would be a good organization the raptors if they were doing this in los angeles would just be a good organization it it kind of doesn't matter at all um whether or not they are you know the media deals that they have available to them it's about being proactive thoughtful considerate and um acting quickly on good opportunities um the circumstances of the Raptors organization are what they are, but the thing that is true is that they they do they do the right thing nine times out of ten. Yeah, I mean, listen, I know we in Toronto we obviously like think of ourselves as a big market, and we are a big market. Like, there's a huge fan base, like, and Toronto's a huge city, first class city. Anyone who's traveled anywhere can really attest to that. But um, yeah, I mean, in the NBA scope, it it doesn't profile as a big franchise like that. Like, it's not the Lakers, it's not. The Knicks, it's not like you know New York, it's not LA. So like, it's not Miami with like you know whatever was on in Miami and all this, the state taxes and things like this. So like, the Raptors have to play the hand that they're dealt. They don't have big market privilege, so they don't even have American team privilege. In fact, they have a distinct uh, disadvantage in that front. So they they, they got to play the strategy that they have, and I think Masai has done that really beautifully. And that's probably what's going to have to continue happening in yeah. the future. And I think honestly, if you look at the Raptors right now, they have a collection of very very good trade pieces. I'll say that much. If they want to move yeah, that way, excellent, excellent international players as well. They've managed to like parlay maybe possibly a weakness yeah. into um, a big strength. One quick question, if you guys have time, do you guys see OG as a two guard? 
because I think you'd be elite at the two if we could manage to draft someone like Kuminga or Barnes and put them at the three and the four. And that just gives you a disgusting like wing defense. What do you guys oh, think about yeah. that? I think the only thing is you need, if you're going to put OG at two, you're going to need to bring another big playmaker. So I think you just need more playmaking overall in the starting group. I think Fred and Pascal can do some, but they're both like B level creators for their positions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we got, we got, we got to run. I mean, to be honest, I, I think OG defensively, like you can play anywhere. And then offensively, if you want to put them in the corner, you could put a lot of people in the corner and be a two, but um, I still think you probably need a better playmaker in the, in the group. So. Yeah. All right, thanks for the call, Aziz. Appreciate right, it. Guys. Enjoy Appreciate New York. What a show, what a show, what a show. All right. So Stanley's suggestions, that? man. Stanley suggestions. Stanley, wherever you end up next season, you know, you'll have fans in Will and I. You stepped up in the uh the the void left that you stepped into you you had huge shoes to fill and you uh tried your hardest every uh every day so shout out to you um good pro seemed like especially down the stretch when he knew he was getting extra run in a in order to like sort of secure himself another contract i think he did great so salute to you i hope it works out you know we'll be cheering for you no matter where you end up uh and wouldn't be wouldn't hate to see you in a raptors jersey um, if it happens again sometime down the road. Um, but for this week, Stanley, I am going to suggest that you, like me, um, finally get the opportunity to line up and wait for uh, not to get into a, a restaurant because it's the only place or into a grocery store because the only place you can go. But this week I went to uh, Emmer at uh, Borden and Harvard, a new bakery in my neighborhood. Um, and the line was big and I, it was their opening weekend and lots of people were excited and the uh, bread and sandwiches and stuff that we picked up were all great. And it just felt really nice to, you know, join a Toronto time-honored tradition of lining up for a random food thing that you saw on Instagram. It just felt it felt like a really, it felt like a, you know, hanging out with an old friend that you haven't seen in too long. And, you know, thinking to yeah. yourself, is it really worth it? Um, do I need to post this on the gram to not feel like an idiot? But it was delightful. It was really nice to be outside and to line up for a, a restaurant again. Yeah, damn. That's really the number one thing to do in Toronto is to line up, man. I think that's like the most Toronto thing you could do is just like line up for anything, man. Anything. You know? Yeah. Um, my suggestion is similar. My, my Stanley's suggestion for this week. And, and shout out Stanley. I think he had a really good year. We'll see what happens for him. But, um, you know, I appreciated his year. Um, yeah, I think... So this past weekend, um, got takeout from Lake Inez, which is in Leslieville, on the East End. It was a, you know, if you want to go for a like, you know, a, a sort of a takeout kind of date, it's a pretty pretty solid spot. So Lake Inez, that's I N E E Z, and uh, it was a it was a fun time. So, all Josh, right, I can't believe it, man. This is it. I mean, End of the season. for now. I mean, we don't know when the next show specifically is going to be, so we'll let you know when it happens. But for now, we've, um, you know, I'm happy we brought the show back for this this year, um, and it was great to honestly talk to fans and hear people. Yeah. I think that's that's always helpful. And um, yeah, man, we got to hang out. Thanks to Kieran, so. Steph, Chelsea for the production work. Um, couldn't have done it without Absolutely. you guys. We'll we'll hang out. The lockdown in Toronto is supposed to end in a couple of weeks, so. I don't know. I'll have you over for pizza or something. 
I got one of two in me, all right? I got one of two, so we'll see what happens, man. Gang, gang. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you later on in the offseason. Peace. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.